Welcome back. This week, another discography review. Uh, so from a headbanger's perspective, the big four of Southern Rock would uh, include ZZ Top, Leonard Skinnerd, Molly Hatchet, and the focus of this discography review, Blackfoot. Uh, so those are definitely the four heaviest of the Southern Rock uh, outfits, with Blackfoot arguably being the heaviest of the bunch when they were at their height. Uh, so here we had a band that contained a powerful rhythm section, two great guitarists, and a vocalist blessed with a voice uh, whose crew could turn you introspective or backslap you uh, into reaching for yet another ale, all while you're hanging out with your buds around a smoky campfire. So true southern comfort here. Uh, enough of my yakking though, let's get into it. Um, so as usual, with our discography reviews, we'll only be covering the studio albums, so no compilations, covers, or live releases. And in Blackfoot's case, we have 10 albums to cover. Uh, and we'll try and do this under an hour. So uh, we'll include full tracks along the way so that you can bear witness to how the band's sound changed over time. The Blackfoot story starts in 1975 with their debut album, No Reservations. So the band, based in uh, Jacksonville, Florida, include Ricky Medlock, uh, ex-Leonard Skinner drummer on um, vocals and guitars here, uh, as well as Charlie Hagrid guitar, Greg T. Walker on bass, and Jackson Spires on drums. Uh, so, uh, you know, the Southern Rock signpost references are all here immediately. Um, the mix of acoustic and electric guitars, soulful lyrics and vocal delivery, and chicken scratch guitar solos, of course, all steeped in Southern fried blues. Uh, so the problem is that the writing isn't top shelf, though. Uh, it sounds very Southern, but doesn't entice you to pull up that log to the campfire. Uh, so too, the main problem to, uh, to these ears is that too many of the songs oscillate between acoustic, strumming, and electric sections. Uh, for this to be effective, you got to limit yourself to doing this once or twice an album. There's just too, far too many of this style on the album, so it all just merges and coagulates together. Um, that said, the highlights here uh, include, um, of course, the introduction to the world of the velvety, smooth, and soulful crooning of Medlock, uh, and there's some very good lead guitar work intersp uh, interspersed throughout. Best tracks uh, would be the tough and memorable opener, Railroad Man, and the closing, I Stand Alone, uh, with its quirky time signatures, uh, which Raging Slab would use later as their sound template. So nothing outrageously bad about this album, uh, but there's not also nothing outrageously good either. Uh, I give this a six.
the team, including Jimmy Johnson, uh, the producer, get back together a year later in 1976 for the sophomore Flying High. Uh, so a definite uh, toughening up of the sound here, the sound much more electric, and the Walker Spires rhythm team given uh, some room to shine. Uh, the guitar soling uh, is also top-notch, adding to the overall pugnacious sound. Uh, so, you know, things start out really strong with the celebratory opener, Feeling Good, and they follow that with the guitar-heavy title track. Uh, best tracks, though, uh, for me would be Stranger on the Road and Dancing Man, uh, both com complex of riff, delivered with deft touch by the band, uh, hinting of the quality that would follow on future releases. Uh, fortunately, the balance of the tracks are good, but uh, not quite as stellar as these ones. Uh, overall, though, a much better album, um, pointing the band in the right direction going forward. I give this one a 7. into the golden era of the band. Uh, between 1979 and 1983, they issued four albums, uh, and the first of the, uh, which is 1979 Strikes. 
So out is Jimmy Johnson with Al uh, Nally taking over the uh, producer's chair, resulting in the band's best-selling album of their discography, uh, going platinum in the U.S. Uh, So uh, the highs here are some of the best tracks of the band's discography up to this point. Uh, The ZZ Topped Road Fever, uh, cover of Free's Wishing Well, uh, the Boogified and Immortal Train Train, and of course, the band's answer to Skinner's Freebird, the seven plus minute highway song uh, with its extended guitars till dawn conclusion. Uh, the problem is that the other tracks don't come anywhere near the caliber of those songs. Um, uh, these, one, these latter ones coming across as flimsy attempts at commercialism, uh, causing this album to have an overall less heavy feel compared to its predecessor, uh, at least to this headbanger's perspective. Uh, so the conclusion, better highlights, uh, but lower lowlights than its prede- uh, predecessor. Uh, so let's call it a tie and also give it a rating of 7 out of 10. Uh, now, caveat, many fans will disagree with this assessment, uh, but I stand by my belief that this album is held in, in such esteem uh, due to the high charting train train and highway song singles, not the strength of the album itself. And, of course, uh, this is coming from a headbanger's perspective. Uh, That said, though, it's extremely cool to hear Ricky's grandpa, Shorty Medlock, making his first appearance uh, on Blackfoot Records, uh, providing a chugging harmonica intro for what we're going to listen to now. Train, train!
A year later, in 1980, out comes Tom Catton. Uh, so the initial track, Warped, immediately warns listeners that things are going to get uh, to be significantly heavier this time out, uh, definitely being one of the heaviest southern metal tracks ever produced. Uh, this headbanger gave it a hell yeah cry and support upon hearing that one. Uh, so many of the cream of the Blackfoot inventory can be found here. Uh, there's the boogified on the run, uh, headbanging rock and roll, the gimme, gimme, gimme. Uh, the Ode to Nights Out on the Town, Fox Chase, uh, complete with Shorty Medlock banjo intro. And of course, the aforementioned Warped Banger. Uh, so other notables uh, would be the mini hit and concert staple, Every Man Should Know Queenie, and the soulful and uh, building Reckless Abandoner. So not perfect. There are a number of good but not great tracks, uh, but definitely approaching perfection here. Uh, there's no denying the, the absolutely brilliant vocals, Ricky Medlock's bluesy croon never sounding better, and there's lots more rousing guitar clinics too. Uh, so the headbanger and me celebrated the fact that there was only one mellow rock ballad and no outright commercial tracks in the collection. And generally, the fan base seemed to agree. While it performed slightly lower on the charts than the previous strikes, uh, this one hitting number 50, um, it's still very respectable. I give this one a 9. Howdy, folks. This is your old buddy Shorty Medlock. I'd like to tell you about an old bunch of foxhounds I got, old Ring and old Tiger and old Rover. And when we start out across them Georgia hills hunting them foxes, it sounds something like this. <laughs>
Striking while the iron is hot, at the following year in 1981, the band issued Marauder. Uh, so Good Morning opens up proceedings the same way as Warp did the previous album, kicking asses out of bed with the heaviest of Southern rock. Uh, so altogether, some the same mix of heavy-ass rockers, boogie tracks, and the inclusion of only two slow ones. Uh, the difference here is that the pseudo-ballads, uh, Diary of a Working Man and Searchin', are actually strong tracks here. Uh, both soulful, introspective ditties that are as haunting as they are memorable. Uh, additionally, there, there's a very good commercial track that ended up being a minor hit uh, called Fly Away. Uh, highlights other than the aforementioned rousing good morning to these ears was the uh, Mexican fried too hard to handle, uh, the stomping dry county, and the rowdy rattlesnake rock and roller where Grandpa Shorty once again uh, starts things up with a banjo. Uh, so when the smoke clears, Marauder ends up being the band's best album. Uh, it's consistent from front to back, endlessly enjoyable. Uh, it's proven by its regular rotation on my death deck some 40 plus years later. Uh, in my opinion, one of the greatest Southern rock albums of all time. So obviously a 10 out of 10. Uh, just a side note, um, this album was a huge seller in the UK, which resulted in the recording of one of the greatest live hard rock albums ever produced uh, called Highway Song Live. Do yourself a favor, if you haven't heard it, uh, check it out. The energy and love is off the charts. Go to work. 
two years later, 1983, out comes Siogo. Uh, and here's where the Blackfoot story goes a little sideways. Uh, so I, I'm assuming that the band wasn't happy with their inability to break the top 40 U.S. albums chart and decided to swing for the fences by bringing in a keyboardist for the first time. Uh, and not just any keyboardist, uh, none other than the legendary Ken Hemsley of Uri Heap fame. Uh, that and the inclusion of a track from an outside writer, uh, the wafer-thin, if not outright wimpy, hearts grown cold, previously covered by Nazareth, had this longtime fan in an uproar even before <laughs> hearing the album. Uh, then when the overt keyboard flurry that opens the album on Send Me uh, an Angel had me throwing up my arms in disgust five seconds in. Uh, but to my astonishment, the keys actually added to the overall depth of the track once given a chance. Uh, then the catchy as fuck Crossfire is unleashed before giving way to the Hearts Grown Cold cover, uh, which is actually quite good given that it is delivered with heart and, and some vigor. Uh, moving along, uh, the band then go for the balls with the high energy We're Going Down, a Hammond organ on full blast. Uh, then back to the catchy keyboard dominated approach next with the should have been a hit Teenage Idol. Uh, Gorn in Circles then takes the band into rainbow territory, uh, refer since you've been gone, uh, before taking a crack at another catchy hard rocker in the form of Run for Cover. And then uh, we return to Marauder territory with White Man's Land, uh, which takes us to the concluding two tracks, Sail Away and Drive and Fool, ending the album on a high note, uh, one beautiful and emotional, the other a punch to the face. Uh, so after dozens, if not a hundred or more listens later, uh, this Blackfoot fan has not only come to embrace the keyboards and Southern Ramblin' Siogo, uh, but actually consider this the band's best album along with Marauder. Uh, it may, uh, it may not be as overly Southern, but it's unquestionably prime hard rock in every respect, just classic stuff. Uh, too bad, then, that the general Blackfoot fan turned their backs on this, leading to the album only hitting a disappointing number 82 on the U.S. charts. Uh, regardless, an unequivocal 10 out of 10 and in my books. <laughs>
so ends the golden years as we enter into what I'm going to call the what the hell happened era. Uh, so in 1984, out comes Vertical Smiles. Uh, the disappointment of Siogo's commercial failure in plain sight. Uh, the band goes the shameless commercial route uh, rather than returning to their roots. Guitarist Charlie Hagrid uh, seems to be the only one with some common sense and any care for their fan base as he abruptly left the band during the recording of this abysmal travesty. Uh, the first change in the Blackfoot lineup in its uh, then nine-year recording career. Uh, the first two tracks... Putrid covers of putrid songs by Nazareth and Peter Cetera. Great idea, guys. And on it goes for seven more tracks. Uh, the old Blackfoot killer instinct taken out back and capped, uh, replaced by a shiny 80s commercial glean that outright sucks. Here's my $10, now go away. So I always uh, parallel this with Ted Nugent's Change in Direction Penetrator album of the same year. However, whereas uh, the Nuge was able to retain a hint of his old self throughout via his uh, over-the-top guitar work, here Blackfoot seems to be throwing in the towel, willing to play whatever dreck may make them some cash. It's uh, both cynical and dreadful. Uh, so fans reacted in predictable fashion, jumping off the already leaky ship in droves, forcing this down to number 176 on the U.S. charts. Uh, if you gotta visit this thing, there's really only two tracks uh, worthy of your attention. In for the Kill and the ZZ Topped Ride With You.
That was in for the kill off the uh, Vertical Smiles, which I'd give a 2 out of 10. So the band deservedly dissolved after the Vertical Smiles abortion. However, three years later, Ricky Medlock enlisted a bunch of no-namers uh, taking on the Rick Medlock and Blackfoot name, issuing the imaginatively titled Rick Medlock and Blackfoot Disc. <laughs> So we're immediately greeted with that same 80s drum sound, preening keyboards, processed vocals, and radio salivating crapolas on vertical smiles. Amazingly, it's even more AOR, all the last vestiges of hard rock thrown to the curb, uh, sure to drain off whatever diehards that may have hung on. Uh, personally, they lost me at vertical smiles. Uh, so one of the tracks is even a ripoff of Ghostbusters theme, Oh, insert finger and throat now uh, holy mother of mercy this plainly sucks it's it's one of those corporate horror sellouts akin to cheap trick Def leopard and aerosmith uh, just horrid of no redeeming value whatsoever uh, do not go here unless there's a toilet nearby uh, stick a fork in them they're done I give this a zero, uh, and to prove my point, <laughs> I'm just going to uh, play you a snippet. I promise I won't play a full track. leg warmers would you <laughs> uh, so back to the blackfoot nomenclature but it's still ricky and the faceless ones returning three years later in 1990 with medicine man a sigh of relief as you realize that the 80s drum clatter and sissy keys are absent here uh, it's definitely a more guitar oriented sound and uh, medlock's soulful vocals return but unfortunately it's not a full return to the classic blackfoot sound uh, the unmistakable swagger of the old rhythm section just ain't there, and, and the songs try to reach down for that warm southern feel, but come up a bit short. Uh, much of the uh, commercial and corporate sound is gone, but what we're left with is, is something very average and plodding. Uh, so it's patently clear that Medlock needs his old comrades back to be able to restore the Blackfoot name to its rightful place. I give this album a five.
refuses to go away returning four years later in 1994 with after the rain so opener uh sitting on top of the world is a welcome return to the backwoods southern sound missing from the last few releases uh albeit more bluesy and rootsy than hard rocking uh good track uh, nonetheless uh there on out after the rain slides into the easy chair for some southern bluesy rock and roll lots of acoustic guitars mixed with easy listening courses throughout uh, so it's nice to hear a heartbeat again, but it's still a far cry from the primetime Blackfoot energy levels that fans crave. Uh, highlights for me would be the harmonica and mid-paced boogie of The Roads, My Middle Name, and Hang Time. I'd give this a 6 out of 10. i 
Medlock disbanded Blackfoot in 1997, uh, taking up the guitar spot in Leonard Skinner. Uh, so some of the original members took up the Blackfoot name in the early 2000s, but it ultimately fell apart before any albums could be generated, unfortunately. Uh, then Medlock uh, hand-selected a bunch of young guns to take over the Blackfoot name, with him acting as the producer. I haven't included the resultant 2016 Southern Native uh, album here, given that it doesn't include any of the original members and simply sullies the Blackfoot name further. So thus we conclude our discography on a sad note, uh, a tale of a band that went from musical riches to rags in short order. Uh, regardless, the uh, early Blackfoot albums will always be staples of the Southern hard rock story, especially for headbangers. So I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, remember to check in uh, next Monday for our new release Monday uh, podcast as well. Check out our website, www.themightydecibel.com and our Patreon page. Have a great one.